welcome back to the Absolute Worldy Football Podcast. We've been away for a bit, but we're back. We've been away, I would say more than a bit, actually. A month. I, I mean, slightly too long not to have done a little like, hey listeners, we've been away, sorry. Sorry, but I've literally been away in America. Did you see any football matches while you were in America? When I say that, I obviously mean soccer matches. I saw, I went to watch the Red Bulls play. And? In the playoffs. Um, <laughs> but you have to excuse that panting. We have a dog with us we today. We have a dog. Murphy's here. Hi, Murph. Murphy is having the time of his life. He's and that... loving it. And we've also we've also got Murphy's Murphy's owner yeah. with us. Hi, Dave. Hello, Joe. Hello, Carl. How you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Very well indeed. We have Dave Seeger, the author, blogger, broadcaster, and GoonaDave66 on Twitter. Uh, and in case that doesn't uh, fill in any blanks for you, massive, massive Arsenal fan, correct? Mm. Yeah. I don't write about a lot else, or broadcast. I do broadcast about other stuff, but I don't write about anything other than Arsenal. That would be fair. Was there, is there, a, if you were going to write, imagine, imagine a situation where you were going to write a football book that wasn't about Arsenal. Do you have any idea what it would be about? Crikey. The next book I'm talking about at the moment actually is about an Arsenal player, but he played also for QPR, Notts County and Leicester. So that my next book may well cover and it might cover some drinking with some footballing legends like Stan Bowles and Frank Worthington. My brain is ticking trying to think who that player Notts is. County, Notts County is not, it's not going to be someone. It's QPR and Arsenal. QPR, Leicester, Notts County. Scored Arsenal goals in two cup finals. Oh, I'll have to put that on hiatus for now. It's oh, in right. discussion. Okay, right, okay. Well, we'll, we'll, when we're off air, we'll find out who that is, listeners, and maybe you guys can guess. <laughs> um, well, thank you very much for coming on. Very exciting. We asked two, we asked two questions of, of people who come onto the podcast. The first is, what is your earliest football memory? Any football memory or Arsenal-related memory? Uh, let's have both. Why not? I'd say the first, the first game I remember clearly watching... Bear in mind, when I was a kid, there was only the FA Cup final and the odd England international. The first game I remember watching live was the 1973 FA Cup final when Liverpool, with Keegan and Toshak both scoring, beat Newcastle. That's the first game I actually honestly remember watching live. Wow. I didn't know that Keegan ever broke Newcastle hearts like that. No, he did. I think it was 3-1 or 3-0 from memory. I think Keegan scored two and Toshak scored one. And that was the first, That was the, the big strike partnership of, of the day, really. Keegan and, and Toshak. Then, of course, he went on to manage Newcastle. So they obviously forgave him in the end. Yeah, I would love it. Love it if we beat them. <laughs> um, uh, and what about Arsenal then? Uh, Arsenal related. Um, crikey. I would say, again, it's just big match and match of the day. Big match was the Sunday afternoon equivalent of match of the day. Um, so just watching Arsenal in the mid-70s. Not any particular game. We were poor. Um, people forget this. I mean, I know we've been in the top flight longer than anyone. Get that, get that in. Um, <laughs> but we did actually finish in the bottom six three years running. And that's the seasons I remember starting to watch. So 74, 75, 76, we were poor. It was the, the, the back end of the sort of the great 71 side. And, and then the good new players coming through. And the ones that I remember particularly fondly and became my heroes were Brady, Stapleton and O'Leary. Brady and O'Leary, I mean, phew. yeah. But that is a true test of a fan, though, Dave. You know, the hard times. Mm. I haven't known a lot of hard times as an Arsenal fan, so, you know, that was your sort of well, burgeoning period. There were hard good. times we had before. The, the early 80s, when I started going regularly, were pretty hard times. I mean, we had a collection of good players, but they weren't a good team. I mean, we had the likes of Mariner and Woodcock and all these guys playing, but we were awful, I mean, to be honest. Yeah. But in comparison to some other football fans who have experienced relegation, you know, financial woes, not so bad. Is there still relegation? I can't remember. <laughs> 
we weren't even in this century. In fact, we've never. In fact, it's never happened. I mean, we've. I mean, we've spoken about in recent recent times on this podcast. We've spoken about Forest Green Rovers, Coventry City, and uh, Morecambe. So you know, th- there are some fans who've, who've had it worse. Yeah, than, than a, lot of, a lot of Arsenal fans I know went to the Under Twenty Threes match the other week against Forest Green Rovers what in was the, the score? Uh, Checker Trade. I think Arsenal won three 0 three one. And was that at Forest Green? Yeah. Did they report back on the pies? Or the vegan part. Yeah. It was mentioned. <laughs> as a positive or a negative. <laughs> it sounds like As it. a thing. As a thing, right, yeah, neutral. They're still flying high. Forest Green. Yeah, they lost Come the Come on, day, vegan FC, you could do it, boys. What is your understanding of the term worldy? Worldy, for me, my first reaction would be that is a, a screamer of a goal or a world-class goal. Can you think of one? Uh, I would say, what about the... Ray Parler curler in the 2002 FA Cup final. That was a worldie. Was that a 2-0 game against Chelsea? Yeah, it was. And the, actually, the follow-up goal from Bloomberg, he ran from his own half and then did the same thing to Kudicini. So they were both worldies. Two worldies in one Two final. Two worldies in one game. For our non-football uh, uh, fan listeners, say a little bit about the Rumford Pele, because I think he's uh, he, he transcends just football, Ray Parler. I think he's one of the few players of the modern era that does. I mean, obviously, he's on talk sport now, and he's a bit of a character. He's probably the last of the... Uh, the Tuesday Club, Arsenal drinking sort of generation, you know him, Adams, Bowl, Perry Groves, Paul Merson. But he uh, he actually was, I would say he was a journeyman footballer that became a very, very, very good footballer under Arsene Wenger. He was one of the, he was one of the ones that Wenger really t- turned from being an average player into a great player. And uh, he had a great career at Arsenal. In fact, he still holds the uh, record for the most Premier League appearances by an Arsenal player. Ray Parler. Uh, absolutely. There you go. So uh, yeah, so he's. Uh, but he's yeah. So he was a great footballer. But I think he's the last of the generation of yeah the lads in football. Have you have you ever come across him in your circles? I met him. Yeah, I met him a few times. He I, strikes I, me I, as being a nice bloke. I interviewed him for my first book about Geordie Armstrong because he was in the team that came through under when Geordie was reserve team manager at Arsenal. And then uh, he came and joined me with Vic Akers for a book signing for Geordie. So I met him then. And also he sits, what, when he's doing the co-commentary for TalkSport, he sits in the same block as me. So I always say hello to him. I wouldn't say I know him well. I have actually had a drink with him in the Tollington as well. So. Just the one? Yeah, well, he, to be honest with you, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say how many he had because his car was outside. But, um, but uh, absolute world exclusive, what does Ray Parler drink? I think he was on vodka and tonics, to be honest. It was either vodka and tonic or gin and tonic. It wasn't pints. That's right. a shocker for me. Although I think he's a Guinness man. He's, got to, watch he's got to watch the waistline as an ex-footballer. Well, when, he, when you drink with Alan Brazil, you definitely have to watch your <laughs> yeah, waistline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To be honest with you, he's still very fit. I mean, he does, Ray Parler, he does yeah, still go to the gym man. and he's still fit, yeah. Uh, for those of us, for those people listening who don't necessarily uh, can't actually picture Ray Parler, he's he's got that sort of classic Essex twang, but it's uh, surrounded by a mane of of loose well, flowing it was, blonde. It, it hair. was. It's not now. It's is it very, not now? It's is shortly it gone? cropped these days. Oh, but no, when he shame. first broke into the team in Arsenal in, in, in the early nineties, he had this long, sort of flowing, strawberry blonde, shall we say? Would it be uh, fair to describe him as the Mick Hucknell of football? <laughs> that would be a, a good analogy, a good comparison, indeed. Yeah. Very good. I, think I like fair. that. I like that a lot. So, Dave, you've uh, you said you've written a book about Geordie Armstrong, who I'm going to admit don't know anything about, mm. but you've got a new book out. I have. Yeah, yeah. It just came out about two or three weeks ago. Yeah. So, uh, inspired, I think, after the uh, you know a little, a little period after Arsene Wenger left Arsenal, it's time to reflect on um, you know what he actually did because it wasn't great at the end. You know, uh, there was a lot of disquiet amongst the fans, and it probably wasn't the best way for him to leave the club, although the final weeks once the announcement was made were amazing. So this is my 
small tribute, not to the whole of his tenure, but it's um, I just choose chose my favourite two seasons, which were the uh, well two of the favourite seasons, which is the first two doubles. So it concentrates on the ninety seven ninety eight League and Cup double, and then the two thousand one two thousand two. So it's a it's a tribute to those two years of the early Wenger brilliance, and the whole thing rhymes from start to finish. The whole so thing rhymes from start to finish. It's a rhyming it's rhyming couplets from start to finish, and because of the style. The publisher and I wanted to make the book look and feel like a children's book, even though the content, I mean, literally every goal, every <laughs> game is covered. There's not a single detail that's not in the book, but it all rhymes. So we, we got an artist to, to do it like Dr. Seuss style. Yeah, like so cat there's a lot, the hat kind there's of There's a lot there. So we've even got Wenger on the front cover with his with his uh, red and white striped magic hat as a, as a tipping of the hat to Dr. Seuss. Le Prof. Uh, so, yeah, so it's it's like that. So how how low would you say it was a recommended age for readers? <laughs> how low have I gone doing a rhyming couple of books? Um, well, uh, do you know something? I saw uh, we had a, we've had a couple of signings already, and one of the guys who bought the book at the Emirates Stadium actually on the, on the Monday night a few two weeks ago, we had an Arsenal Sports Trust meeting. We had a stand there. We were selling books. Guy came along and looked at it. He said, "Actually, well, my son won't remember." obviously any of this, although it looks like it should be brilliant for him. So I'm going to buy it so I can read it to him so he can learn about how oh, great Arsenal were. So I guess it's really an adult book, but I think as an adult Arsenal fan who wanted to educate a young Arsenal fan, it could go as low as that. Yeah, so, you know, junior school age, to be read by parents, bedtime reading. Were you expecting that? Do you think, was that a name? Not at all. I just had this quirky idea of making it look like Dr. Zeus. Not because exactly the same sort of intonation in the rhymes or anything like that. I don't pretend to know what the uh, proper terms are for what Dr. Zeus did because he wasn't just pure rhyming couplets. But I just thought it, it had that feel that it, it would look funny if it was a yeah. look yeah. like a children's book. So we actually, when I met the publisher, we were in a coffee bar in Waterloo and then we went downstairs to Foyles and we just spent about half hour just looking at all the different children's books, deciding great, what size, idea. what shape, what it, what we wanted it to look and feel like. So, yeah, it's better. I tell you, it's certainly it's certainly the most original Arsenal book of the year. I, 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 I wouldn't claim it's the best, but it's certainly it's certainly the most quirky and original. What's it called? Uh, Arsenal's Double Double. Well, a cool cat in a magic hat is the subtitle. And where can Sub-title? we get it? Subtitle. Subtitle. You where? can get it from the Tollington Pub near the ground, the Match Day Shop near the ground, and at Legends Publishing. So if you Google Legends Publishing Double Double, the link will come. Nice. Up. Have you tried yeah. to get a, uh, a copy to the the Cat in the Hat himself? Yes, I had. Uh, I met David Dean, who obviously bought Arsene Wenger over from Japan. At the Woolsey, where he holds court, very nice. He signed. He signed twenty books for me. Um, you've seen one of them. Uh, he he thought it'd be funny. I, I I actually said to him. He said, "What do you want me to sign it?" And I said, uh, "What about um, in Arsenal? I trusted because obviously he was the man. Because obviously Arsenal, they used to say in Arsenal we trust. So I thought, well, David Dean was the man who made decisions. He said, "Now why don't I write Arsenal who? Because that was the headline that greeted the the announcement, uh, certainly by the Standard, and then followed by I think the Sun." Um, so that's what he wrote. Them. But he has taken a copy for himself and he's taken a copy for Arson. And he said they live next door to each other in a, in a village in Hertfordshire. So he, Arson will have the copy by now. <laughs> and what David Dean has said, Arson will, he will get a picture of Arson holding the book. Because if I get that picture, then sales will go through the roof, yeah, obviously. But I haven't got it yet. And I don't want to hassle someone as important as David no, Dean. But, you but I have sent him a couple of texts and I'm waiting for his replies. So. You want to have him wearing a photo of him holding the book, wearing a funny hat. And that's that's a real seal. There. Even better, I want to meet him and get him to sign about 100 books. That'll be yeah, perfect. 
Come on, Arsene. What are you doing? You're doing anything. Arsene, yeah, stop travelling around the world <laughs> doing BN Sports. Yeah. This is far more important. Do, 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 do. That's the, uh, that's the uh, Arsene Wenger chatbot, chatbot there. Um, Maybe he'll hear it. He does listen. Another question about your poetry, about the sort of the couplets. What was yeah. the most difficult rhyme you had to pull off? <laughs> oh, crikey. I can't tell you, Carl. There were so, there were so many. Yeah, the, the, the thesaurus on my laptop was going bonkers. <laughs> I know, there are loads in there. There are loads so in there. So maybe, maybe... I love the, I love, particularly love the one for Joel's benefit We're at the end of the season where obviously they're singing the song around Sol Campbell has won the double. So yes. that was a nice one. It, we didn't find it any trouble to sing that Sol had won the double. Their captain had won the double. And another one is, of course, the brilliant one at the start of that season. Like Spurs have been up, done up like a kipper. We, you know, for free and gratis, we'd taken their skipper. skipper. That's a good saw one. that coming. <laughs> yeah. That's a right. Kipper and skipper. Kipper and skipper. You don't often get kipper in a, in a football book. Let's face <laughs> that's it. true. Uh, well, come, come the end of this podcast, listeners, if you're very good and stay with us, we may well have a little excerpt of the Double Double. But in the meantime, listen to this. This is the Absolute Worldy Football Bulletin. What you need to know this week to fill the football-shaped holes in your repertoire. Dio mio, Claudio Ranieri is back. The man who guided Leicester to the title has taken the helm at Fulham and led them to a 3-2 win against Southampton at the weekend. Fulham for the title? Obviously not. But next season, place your fivers on that little flutter now, listeners. We will have VAR, or video assistant referee in the Premier League next season. Cue everybody doing that weird little square gesture with their fingers and endless chats about VAR. Do we really need it? The average wage for Premier League players is just under three million pounds a year, it was revealed this week, proving that Premier League players literally are all millionaires. It's the highest average salary for any league in world football. But as a comparison, how about the lowest just in, let's say, British football? Livingston's average wage is nearly 35,000 a year, and they're in the Scottish Premier League. Did anyone say disparity? Speaking of disparity, Kyle, it was also revealed this week that in N'Golo Kante's new Chelsea contract, he will pay more tax per year than Amazon and Starbucks combined. We think that bears repeating. One foreign professional footballer will be paying more tax in the UK than Amazon and Starbucks combined. Brexit affecting football? You betcha. The FA wants to use Brexit as an opportunity to increase the limit of overseas players in any given Premier League squad to just 13. And it's warned the Premier League if they don't agree, they could see an even more dramatic reduction imposed. At this point, this would affect the squads of every single Premier League club except for Bournemouth, Burnley, Cardiff, Crystal Palace and Southampton. So probably won't happen. And finally, Harry Redknapp, or should that be Harry, is in the jungle on I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here and he's breaking out all the exclusives, including, shockingly, the fact that he has no sense of smell. Cue all the jokes about that's why he had no way of knowing how shite QPR played under his tenure, etc, etc. Etc. And that was this week's Absolute Worldy Football Bulletin. What you need to know this week to fill those football shaped holes in your repertoire. Kick ball with football, yeah. So, we're going to kick off today with our classic Worldy. Dave was already talking about the double double season of Arsenal. It's an Arsenal themed episode, in case you hadn't guessed this. Yeah, it, it, that, if that was not clear already, then uh, it should be now. We're only talking about Arsenal today, so if you're not interested in that, well, apart first apart of, from the jokes about Tottenham, obviously. Yeah, yeah, obviously, apart from the huge amount of gags about Spurs. <laughs> I don't understand. Is there some sort of animosity between Spurs and Tottenham? And not, uh, Spurs and not, not that I can think of. When true. was the double-double? Well, we did it in 97-98. Mm-hmm. And then we did it again in 2001-2002. And then what was the next big landmark for Arsenal? Uh, well, obviously, they won the FA Cup in 2003. And then in 2004, they 
won the Premier League by going through the whole season, uh, as was well documented, without losing a single game. And what was the, the nickname for that? They call it the Invincibles. The Invincibles. So this is a, a huge... I mean, all football fans of a certain vintage will know, you know the term Invincibles, you think, Arsenal. Um, but when I think of the Invincibles, I think of... A baggy red shirt with huge white sleeves and an O2 on the middle. What do you think of Joel? Uh, I, I, I think I think I think of um, uh, just that that moment near the end of the season where it just looked like everyone was. It was every every single week, every single newspaper, all the time. There's no way they can do it. There's no way they can go the whole season undefeated. I think the image I have is just headline after headline after headline about the same thing. So Dave, you must have been there as a regular fan. You were there for a lot of those games. Tell us what it was like building up to the idea that you might go a whole season, a whole league season, so that's 38 games, undefeated. Yeah, I mean, well, the thing is, it, it, it actually, well, in the book it talks about it, because he first, Wenger first said he thought it was possible when they won the, the second double, because they'd been so dominant. I think what happened was, if I remember correctly, they, they were undefeated for the last 14 games or 13 games to the end of the 2002 season. So the previous season. At, at, no, the previous season. Well, previous season before that yeah. so 2001 2002 and I think that's when he said it and he was ridiculed mm. um in the press for saying because you know it was deemed to be impossible um and 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 he was sort of ridiculed and people took the mick out of him you know what what a French idiot sort of thing and uh, and then the following year of course you know we didn't have a great season we won the FA Cup um so it was a bit of a dip after winning the double and then and then the, we won the last four games I think of 2002 2003 and so we were already four games undefeated, and then we went the whole thirty-eight games undefeated. But of course, it didn't. I mean, it, in a way, it didn't end there because whilst we won the, the invincible season, won the league, we then carried on into two thousand four, two thousand five, until that infamous Pizzagate affair at Old Trafford, which was the fiftieth game. So we went forty-nine games undefeated. So we actually carried on. It was across three seasons, but the thirty-eight games was two thousand three, two thousand four, and everyone said it couldn't happen, and it did. So those people who are still listening, who you know, who don't know the ins and outs of early noughties football, Pizzagate would have been cleaned in their head. What the hell, Pizzagate? Pizzagate. What was Pizzagate? Well, Pizzagate was because um, there were some dreadful refereeing decisions in that game, and Rooney threw himself over Sol Campbell's leg to win a penalty. Uh, and really, on the balance of play, you know, we felt as Arsenal fans we were completely robbed in that game by Ferguson's team, and it, the emotions boiled over in the tunnel after the game. And there was some pizza allegedly thrown at um, Alex Ferguson, and allegedly by Cesc Fabregas. And I know, uh, and I can't say. Well, actually, I can't say it. I shouldn't have said that because I can't say it. There were other stuff that I've heard from someone Ooh, at Arsenal. We almost uh, got him there. Yeah, yeah there, was, there, there were other. There were certainly <laughs> other players involved. Um, other players involved. Other things thrown. Uh, poured. Poured. Oh, I've heard, I think on, I've heard. on Man United players' heads by another Arsenal. Player. I want to know why there was a jug pizza. of a jug of squash. I believe. But why was there pizza in the tunnel? I don't professional know. Professional footballers. I don't know. Also, it feels very unvenger. Yeah. Well, I don't think famous, that, well, he wouldn't have he wouldn't have been, <laughs> he wouldn't have given it his blessing. But yeah, so that was the end of the unbeaten run. But the Invincibles was just you know we won the league without losing a single game. We won twenty six and drew twelve. And that's nineteen games at home, nineteen games away, twenty six wins and twelve draws. So this actually means that even though this is the most recent example in English football, at least of an invincible season. Yeah, because Celtic it, did it obviously 
Celtic did it in, in 2016. Scotland. Yeah, but it's not the highest points tally. You no, think an invincible team would be the highest points tally, but they drew so many games yeah. that there wasn't. The and a lot of them were on the run in. I think because of the tension that was mounting, yeah. as Joel said, all the headlines. It got to the players. There were some really edgy. I remember at Portsmouth one-one. There were some really tense affairs because early in that campaign, I had very very similar. I'd have to say to Man City today. You look at the score. You're at the game. And you're three or four and up, three or four and up in the first twenty minutes, yeah. and you think it's going to be six or seven, and it isn't, yeah. because they just have well, done the job now. It's like Man City at West Ham last week. You think it's four nil at half time. This could be a cricket score. Ended up five nil. Mm-hmm. Arsenal were just they were that good. They were just going through the motions. And it, as a fan, honestly, it was frustrating because you wanted them to push on and do it and and put teams to the sword, and they didn't. They just did what they had to do, and they were very. Very, very professional and efficient, yeah. and at the end, that that translated into right. We're not going to get beaten. We've already won the league. We're just going to if we draw, we draw. It's now, it became about this, this history making, you know, iconic thing they could do rather than you know perhaps entertaining the fans. So we were talking before we start recording about all of the players, and we're not going to do that again. Mm. What I'd like to know, Dave, is for our listeners, who was your favourite player that season? It's very hard not to say Thierry Henry because mm. that's the other thing that people will forget. You know, 2002, 2001, 2002, 97, 98, better all-round teams and squads than the Invincibles. The Invincibles, and hence the fact they, they fell apart relatively quickly afterwards, were, there were some of the best players were ageing and we were carried by Thierry Henry at the end, like we had before him in the dim distant past being carried by Ian Wright. We won games that we shouldn't have won because we had Thierry Henry. I think he scored... He was scored or involved in, a, in sort of like 48 of our 78 goals or something stupid. Oh, it, was, mad. It, was, it was crazy. He was just, he assisted. In fact, that's the season I think he, he still holds the assist record. I think it's, he scored something like 31 and assisted 21. It was ridiculous. And, and aside from Bergkamp, obviously, was always brilliant. And Perez was brilliant. Um, but, you know, you can't go away from Thierry Henry that season. He was just absolutely, that was his most imperious season. But my, the team, I think, was had played better in previous 10 years of Wenger. My godmother is an <laughs> Arsenal fan. She's Canadian. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, for her and her friends, she's part of a big sort of female Arsenal fan group. I think for a lot of them, Thierry Henry is one of the main reasons that they became Arsenal fans. Because he is still the sexiest man that's ever walked the planet, I think. It's I think Freddie some... Lundberg had a fair of those fair share of his true. female fans as well. That's true, especially in his pants. But yeah. like, but uh, but Thierry Henry has just got he's got something about him, doesn't he? He's just got that Gallic charm and style. Are you going to say je ne sais quoi? I was going to, and then I but, thought you would. It's <laughs> got the quality I always think, word I always think of, and I think of it's balletic. You know, he yeah. was just when he ran so with the ball, graceful, and that every single movement he knew exactly what he was doing all the time, just even at pace, just quite incredible. Stunning. I was going to ask you. Because you're a man of words, Dave, for three words <laughs> to describe Henri. You gave you, I just said, graceful, balletic, one more? Imperious, I've already said. Oh, nice. Imperious, graceful, balletic, imperious. So I've got a couple of did you knows about this invincible season. And Dave, to be honest, I'm sure you do. But I'm going <laughs> to test you anyway. I mean, I won't know them. So do you want me to guess? Yeah, I want you to guess. <laughs> okay. After Arsenal spent this invincible season, 38 games unbeaten. They, were commi- they had a special uh, prize commissioned by the Premier League as a mm. gift. Mm-hmm. Do you know what that gift was? Not a clue. I think it was some sort of... It was a special trophy because they gave it to Wenger at the end of last season when he left. That's they right. They gave him the Invincibles. They had a special Invincibles trophy and then Wenger's now taken... It's not at Arsenal. It was being given to Arsene Wenger on the final uh, home game against Burnley. That's exactly oh. right. Dave's got it in one. The one thing you missed, it was a gold trophy as yeah. opposed to a silver one. So special gold Invincibles wow. trophy of the, F, of the uh, Premier League 
That's iconic amazing, trophy. isn't it? Mm. And you're right, as a, as a symbol of everything that he did for Arsenal, the club actually gifted it to Arsenal. Presented to him by? You. Bob Wilson. <laughs> Bob Wilson and Pat Rice. That's oh, nice. Lovely. Um, and the other thing is, uh, did you know that in that season, in the last 20 minutes of if games... If it starts with did you know, my answer is going to be yes or no. Are you looking for an answer here or... <laughs> I, I guess it's just a did you know. Uh, did you? Okay. Not a question at all, really. Okay, a fact, a fun fact. Uh, <laughs> Arsenal never trailed in the last 20 minutes of a game in that whole season. What? Yeah. They, they never had to come behind, like they never had to grind out a sort of... Not at the end. No. That's amazing. Well, that was interesting because, of course, the last game of the season, when it all rested on whether they were going to do it or not, was at home to Leicester. Uh, and I was at the game. And um, we, we went 1-0 down. To an Arsenal old boy. There's a question for you. Who scored the goal for Leicester? Alan Smith. He's retired by then. <sighs> Paul Dickoff oh, put Paul Leicester Dickoff. one nil up, and um, and then Vieira scored and Henri scored. But we were one nil down in the game where we had to make history. So that was nip and tuck. Well, well, it's always more dramatic when the last yeah, game yeah. that happened. But you can imagine in the stadium though the atmosphere where we went one oh, nil yeah. down. Oh my god! What a waste! Of a, what a waste <laughs> of a season <laughs> it would have been. Absolutely. We already mentioned a couple of the other Invincibles. You've, we said Celtic did it a couple of seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we mentioned, I think I mentioned Preston, who were the... They were actually, the last team to do it in English. And they're, called the, they're kind of called the old Invincibles. But there was only, what, 22 games. 22, yeah. But they also didn't lose a single game. Whereas, obviously, Arsenal went the league unbeaten, but they lost in the Cups yes, in Europe as well. Did, yeah. But Preston, unbeaten for the whole season. So, Dave, I'm going to ask you, who's the better Invincible? <laughs> 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 I mean, it's going to give you one answer to that question, surely. They must sting a bit. Though. They... Preston were probably playing pub teams. You know? <laughs> it was 1888, 18, yeah. So yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. Do you think uh, any either of the teams we've spoken about this season, Man City or Liverpool? This goes to you as well, Joel. Yeah. Do you think either of them can can match it? I think City can. I don't think Liverpool can. I think they've got too many mistakes in them. Yeah, Liverpool shouldn't have even beat Chelsea. They didn't deserve to. It was only a worldie there by Dean go. Sturridge. Really? Yeah. Daniel Sturridge. Word to the sponsor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> only a worldie by uh, Dean Sturridge. Daniel Sturridge. Yeah, that's the stop Chelsea beating Liverpool. I Liverpool think, and we, we should have beaten them. One I think City. I think this City team is one of the best teams I've ever seen play yeah. football. The way that... The, the, I think even if you don't like football, the way that these tiny little men run around in these beautiful patterns and the way that every single goal seems to be the same goal. I mean, it's quite annoying, but it is just stunning to watch. Yeah. I think they genuinely could There do was it. a lot of that. There was a lot of that in the, the Arsenal Invincibles. You know, that sort of getting to the byline, Perez, Lundberg, cut, cut back yeah. to, to, to Henri running on to, you know, like a one-touch finish. There was, yeah, and Man City are a fabulous team to watch and, and they've got far more strength in depth than Arsenal's Invincibles team had. So, you know, Arsenal had a great squad, don't get me wrong. I mean, you had top, top players who could come in like Parler, like Keown, like Edu, like Reyes. But, you know, we we weren't as, not, not like Man City after that. And Man City have probably got two sides. At yeah, the top easy. Level. I think Man City's second team would probably finish second or third in this league. Agreed. And to close my section on the classic worldie of the Arsenal Invincibles, if City were to do it this season, 2018-2019, how we feel? <laughs> no, I think, well, I feel that they deserve to do it. I mean, I, I, I want Arsenal now to be creating modern history, not not hanging on to old history. It's lovely that we've done it. It's 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 been there for a long time, but it's like a world record in athletics. You know, it's always going to be broken at some point. Uh, it's taken a long time. Uh, and I think this is, this is the season, as Joel correctly says, where it could happen. But 
I want Arsenal to be the team that stops them doing it. Ooh. Yeah, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? Well, we'll wait and see. But until then, let's have a bit more of our Absolute Worldy Football Bulletin next. It's the Absolute Worldy Football Bulletin International Edition. What you need to know this week to fill the football-shaped holes in your repertoire. In this international break, Wayne Rooney retired from international football. Again! In a friendly testimonial match against the USA, raising money for his foundation, it was his 120th cap. More than any other outfield player in three Lions history. And did he score, adding to his record of 53 goals? No, he did not. In the fun, fun, fun Nations League, England qualified for the inaugural finals to be held next summer in Portugal. England, Switzerland, Netherlands and Portugal will play off in semi-finals and then a final to see who is the first Nations League champion. And the prize? There isn't one. It does mean, however, that all four could make no effort whatsoever in the Euro qualified and still have a playoff chance to qualify for that tournament by playing each other again in the same format nine months later. England, who have played 17 games in 2018, equaling the record for most games played in a year by the three Lions that's been held since 1966, beat Summer Lovers Croatia in their final Nations League game 2-1 at Wembley. At 1-0 down with 15 minutes to play, England stared a third place finish and relegation in the face. They didn't like that face, so they scored twice and got promoted instead, finishing first. Except they can't get promoted because they're in the top group, so they go to the Nations League finals instead. Confused? No, us neither. A huge Hootsman to Scotland, who also secured a playoff place for the Euros through the Nations League by finishing top of their group. See also Kosovo, finishing top of the bottom section of groups means they are also guaranteed a playoff place for the Euros. Will they be everyone's favourite underdog? Or will that still be Scotland? And that was the Absolute Worldy Football Bulletin International Edition. What you need to know this week to fill the football-shaped holes in your repertoire. So listeners, it falls to me to give you this week's worldy. And this week's worldy from an Arsenal perspective could, Kyle, have been about uh, Arsenal and Tottenham legend Sol Campbell becoming the manager of... Macclesfield. Macclesfield Town. But I, uh, I, I want to talk about something else, actually. I want to talk about this, leading on nicely from the Invincibles. Dave, Kyle, did you know that Arsenal are actually on for an Invincible season this season? Arsenal ladies. Arsenal ladies. Yes, the Arsenal women's team are currently undefeated. Uh, there, In fact, there are two teams in the Women's Super League, both undefeated. Arsenal and? City. Manchester City. So that is right, listeners. Both Manchester City women and Manchester City men are currently on for an Invincible season. That would be... Unheard of. So Arsenal women, Dave, are the most successful women's club in English football. Yeah. Do you know how many national honours they've won? I'd say about 25, 30. 49. Wow. wow. Uh, most of them when Vic Akers, who yeah. just retired last year as the Arsenal Do you want to talk man. about Vic Akers? Oh, Vic, a- Vic Akers was the manager of the ladies' team for years. And he was also the kit man for the men's team. Yeah, and, and never ever wore long trousers. <laughs> Always shorts. <laughs> Come rain or shine. Come rain or shine, Vic will Certainly, be in his yeah. I did see him and he, he came to that. The aforementioned book signing I did with Ray Parler, it was Ray Parler and Vic Akers, who was one of Geordie's best friends, and he did wear his Arsenal blazer and trousers to that. You must have been honest. Certainly, football-wise, come rain or shine, training ground, never wore tracksuit bottoms, always wore shoes. Amazing. You've got to love, you've got to love that old-school commitment. Mm. But he never wore gloves either. Uh, so he was uh, integral in the founding of the Arsenal women's team in 1987. He was the kit man, but he said, I want to start a women's team. They yeah. said, absolutely. Since then, here we go. They have won two FA women's... Super League titles, 12 of the old FA Women's Premier League, 14 FA Women's Cups, 10 Women's Premier League Cups, 5 FA Women's Super League Cups and 1 UEFA Women's Champions League, formerly the UEFA Women's But how many doubles? 
Uh, seeing as that's that is a good question. <laughs> I bet there's a lot. I bet, I bet there's, there's more than a I double mean, double in there. Considering that's considering that's what that's fourteen yeah. FA Cups and I think they won a double. Leagues. They've got yeah, a few season after season after season. Yeah. I think we have material for another book there, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even uh, less of an audience for that, unfortunately. So the oh. <laughs> so uh, this is this season. They are they they've had a few years where it's all sort of started. To yeah, get, no, they have. Yeah, well, there's been a lot of investment. Years. There's been a lot of uh, investment from teams who didn't necessarily used to invest in a women's game. Liverpool put a lot of money into their team. City, owned by a state, of course. Chelsea have, have done very well of late as well. Chelsea, yeah, Chelsea. Not so got, well this year, but they. Well, we're, Chelsea uh, with an ex- extremely impressive front three, including the the, the female Messi, Frank Kirby, England's number ten, were demolished. 5-0 by Arsenal. Ooh. Absolutely destroyed them. Arsenal women's team have started this season not just at a canter, but at a gallop. They have played nine games. They have won nine. In nine games, you want to guess how many goals they've scored? 40. Pretty close. It's 42 goals in nine games. Wow. They have conceded five. Wow. Plus 37 goal difference. And uh, they are on 27 points, obviously. Six points clear of the nearest rival, City. So why is it this week's Weldy? Because on Sunday, Arsenal go to City. It is the two undefeated teams in the Women's Super League clashing on Sunday. Heavyweight title clash. Yeah. Money on it being a draw. A draw. <laughs> it would be. It would be quite. I'm, I mean, I'm just purely on these. Look at these these statistics for Arsenal. It would be really exciting if they do win because I can't. I mean, there's 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 being an invincible team and then there's having a record like that. That's. I mean, we talked about the sort of annoyance that you might have, Dave, of, of Arsenal having twelve draws and maybe getting knocked out of the Champions League. If Arsenal women can can win the league, scoring that many goals and destroying teams, they beat Lewis, who are uh, only in the division below them, nine yeah. nil in the FA Cup. It's not competitive, is it? It is competitive. That's what's interesting. It has been an extremely com- the well, Super League. Is, yeah, yeah. The, 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 that is true. That is. That is not the case, Carl. I mean, there are some very good women's sides and it has been competitive. So that's why this is extraordinary. Astonishing. Uh, and then, uh, I mean, just even, in, I mean, obviously we've heard they've scored 42 goals, but this is insane. Uh, of the top sort of eight or nine scorers in the women's league, they have seven of them. Uh, Vivian Medema scored 14 goals and seven assists in nine games. That's a, an average of a goal every 58 minutes. Uh, Jordan Nobbs has got nine goals. Danielle Vanderdonk has got eight goals. I think Jordan Nobbs has just got injured, though. Yeah, has she? Yeah, I think she's she might be out. The World Cup. Yeah, I think she's yeah, out. Yeah, she has. Yeah, which is uh, she's been nobbled. She's been <laughs> touche. <Very> uh, good. <laughs> um, but if this, uh, I suppose, this is an interesting question about the difference between the men's game and the women's game. Arsenal women get a thousand people per game. Uh, at Boreham Wood where they play um, if they were to do this this incredible feat of being in, an invincible team do you think it would be spoken about in the same breath maybe it would be more likely because it's Arsenal I feel like because of what I just said about it being seeming non-competitive I didn't mean that the league isn't I know it's been growing well, we actually spoke about that with a previous uh, guest Rowan we talked about women's football and the growth we did yeah but what I mean is it, it, it makes it appear like it's not. And it's the same, the same with PSG in the men's game in France. They've won 14 out of 14. Mm. And even if they go the whole season unbeaten, it's easy to criticise and say, well, they're playing. No, the, the teams they're playing must be bad. They're clearly not. No. But well, look at Lyon. They've beaten City and, and drawn with City. They're yeah. the only side that have. Yeah. yeah. But, and that's true. interesting. There must be some lessons for the rest of the Premier League to learn from those two games. Yeah, very true. I think I think the idea of things being not competitive is is a kind of misnomer, really. I think sometimes we do that and we just dismiss how good a team is playing because it's not like Bayern Munich or Juventus who win the Italian, the German and the Italian league year after year after year. If a team comes through having not won the league last year, Arsenal didn't win the league last year. 
I don't think they were even that close. No, and then this year to have started the way they've started, nine mm. wins from nine games, 42 got. There's a lot more investment scored. in overseas talent, bringing the overseas talent. Where the, well, there was a bit of a hemorrhaging of the best English players going to America for a few years, wasn't there? Yeah, but now, there was, yeah. certainly the Danish, the Dutch, the German players are coming over to England, so it's getting much stronger. The money there's and the more money being invested. League. Obviously, there must be television money because the BBC are giving it coverage. Yeah, aren't they? yeah. I, in fact, listeners, I urge you, half past 12 on Sunday, uh, uh, the City versus Arsenal game, undefeated, uh, undefeated streaks on the line, only one team can be invincible. Or potentially both of Victor. Um, <laughs> is on at half past twelve on the BBC Red Button. If we can watch it on telly. You can watch it on 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 if, non-pay if, telly. If, if you're not coming to the match day shop in Hornsey Road to buy a copy <laughs> of Arsenal's double double just before going into the Emirates Stadium for the North London Derby, that is. But that the good true. thing is you can do both because you can just watch it on catch up. <laughs> what time's the What time's the the Arsenal Spurs game? I think two fifteen kickoff. Oh yeah. So you'll be there from about twelve. I'm doing a sign a book signing event from twelve to one, and then I might have a big or two before the game just to calm my nerves so in that case listeners I've, I've got a conflicting <laughs> conflicting Sunday task for you what I would do is I would record the Arsenal uh, City game to see who comes out on top I would go down to where again Hornsey Road Hornsey Road the match day shop in Hornsey match Road match day shop to get just up from Holloway Road Tube Get yourself a signed copy of the Double Double by Dave Seeger. And then after that, I would watch uh, the Arsenal Spurs game and then go home, depending on how happy you are from that game, and watch uh, Arsenal City. If Sunday. I wanted to actually go to that game, Joe, is it a boring road or is it, it Manchester? It is in Manchester. I'm not going to. No. <laughs> Interestingly, though, Manchester City's women's team play their games at the Academy Stadium, which is right next door to the Etihad. It's called the Campus. Yeah. So they're the only team that are currently in the uh, in the Women's Super League that are currently playing their women's and men's games within the kind of same space because the women's game attendance is still quite low it's yeah. coming up slowly but surely it's creeping up uh, I went to see a women's game quite recently and it was it, I mean it, if, except for the, the low amount of people there it's just a, it's exactly the same as going to any any Premier League team I would say great maybe I'll go to Manchester after all keep an eye on I that I think you should do I should you should do yeah so listeners there you go potential invincibles this season Arsenal are going to do it again but this time it will be the Arsenal women okay football is good Football is fun, football is there for everyone I can't really be bothered to follow it properly But I'll tell you one thing, I prefer it to broccoli Kickball with football, yeah Thank you so much to Dave Seeger, a.k.a. Guna Dave 66 for joining us I, uh, I feel like I learned a lot about Arsenal, Kyle Too much too much? Oh, good. Uh, no, I'm joking. I mean, if there's a man that knows more about Arsenal, I don't want to meet him. Or if you do think you know more about Arsenal than Gunadave66, why not tweet us and him at Worldy Podcast at Gunadave66 and challenge him to an Arsenal knowledge off. And I'm I'm just wondering if you're thinking, listeners, Gunadave66, is he 66 years old? Not a bit of it. He was born in 66. Oh, that makes sense. That does make sense. Um, well, m- mostly listeners, we're, we're signing off today by basically apologising, really, for how long it's been between episodes. But you were away, Kyle, weren't you? I was, and I had a great time. I, I did some football-orientated things, Joel. Yeah, well, you said earlier you went to a New York Red Bulls match. Well, I was going to go to the stadium, but I can tell you, I can confirm, it was very cold. Was it cold? In so a... I stayed on Ooh, Manhattan. it's cold in New York. Who knew? It was actually in Jersey, the game. Oh. And I didn't want to go across the river, so I stayed... I 
went to a bar called Legends, right next to the Empire State Building. And was it legendary? I sat by myself at the bar, and I said, are you going to put the game on? Because I looked up, I looked on the Red Bull's website for actual affiliated pubs to watch the game. Yes. uh, And there was one. I went there, and they didn't have the game on. Uh, And then And they looked at me like, okay, we'll put it on. And there was another person who kind of sheepishly came forward and was like, I'm really glad that you did that, because I'm here to watch the game too. Oh, it's like a different world, isn't it? Yeah. Could you imagine in London if there was an Arsenal-Chelsea-Tottenham game on, the place would be packed. And also if it was advertised as being on yeah. and then suddenly wasn't on, people would be furious. Exactly. So it turns out that if you support Red Bulls and you live in New York, you're probably at the stadium. So me and this lady had a lovely time watching the game together. Uh, and then I also went back to that bar to watch the Rooney testimonial. Yes. Which was really weird because then it was which packed. Which we referenced in this week's international edition of the Football Bulletin. Exactly. It was packed, Joel, with English football fans that's so weird could you imagine a bar in England where for Rooney's last game I'm sure it happened guys I'm sure there were lots of pubs with people clapping and singing Rooney songs I can't really see it in England but in New York it's like everyone never fell out of love with Rooney they were clapping and man was nearly crying oh lovely and was that your only football experience whilst you were in the States no it's almost like we planned this bit, listeners. I went to South Carolina as well. <laughs> SoCal? Yeah, and stayed with uh, a lovely... No, not SoCal. <laughs> I guess it could be. No, SoCal. It's SC, so- South Carolina. South Carolina. Stayed with a lovely family, the Heralds. Had a great time with them. Uh, uh, Mary, Randy, Ashley and Aston. Uh, and Randy took us in his motor car to his campus, university campus, which is called Bob Jones University. And there happened to be a match on, a ladies' match, a women's football match. And I made them sit, it like, like park the car next to the, uh, what's the what's the steps called that go down? Uh, the bleachers. And they were like, Carl, please let us go. I was like, no, it's nearly over. I wanted to watch any football I could. 1-1, final score. Between? I don't know, the, the ladies' two, team and a local two. rival. <laughs> They're their rivals. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, listeners, uh, we hope you enjoyed this Arsenal-specific episode of the Absolute Football Worldy... Wow, what the hell's our name of our podcast? You got it, Joel. Absolute Worldy, Worldy Football Podcast. It's been so long, I've forgotten the name of our own podcast. But before we go, guys, I've actually got a copy of uh, the Double Double Arsene Wenger book in my hand here, written by Dave Seeger. And I'm just going to clear my throat and read you a little passage. <coughs> we never lost away from home. Never failed once to score. We won the last 13 league games on the spin. Hard to ask for more. Such was our form since February. Wenger was heard to utter. His team could go a season without defeat. Most thought him a nutter. The Absolute Worldy Podcast is produced by Joel Samuels and Kyle Ross with editing by Joel Samuels. Our theme music is courtesy of Adam Janota Bozowski and Amar Chada Patel. All other music is licensed under Creative Commons. Thank you very much for listening and please do remember to like, share, subscribe, rate and review on iTunes and follow us at Worldy Podcast on Twitter. Bye! Oh, yeah. Amateur Arsenal writer. No, professional. I won't say that, I'll just say. Not how much. Kick ball with foot, football, yeah.